Amen. Man, is there anything else for us to do this morning? We can just declare that over and over and over again. Amen. Well, as we transition and look at God's Word this morning, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to read through a portion of this together and then explore some of the things that God has in store for us. John chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 6. It says this, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to come and draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I, the one speaking to you, am he. Jesus is the Messiah. And he says it right here, the Savior of the world, who has explained everything to us, who makes this make sense, who is the way, who is the truth, who is life itself, who came here to save us. Do you see? This morning we're going to be continuing our journey through the Gospel of John, asking that question, what is the Gospel? What does it do? What does it mean? What do we say? How do we live? 
What does it mean to be people of the gospel, changed by the gospel, living in the gospel? What did, what did Jesus do? And it really is a huge question. We've already seen in the first few chapters just how huge of an idea the gospel really is, how big and complicated an idea it is, and yet how fundamentally simple it is because it's the very nature of creation and existence itself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. And came to be with us. To be the glory of God revealed to us. An eternal sacrifice for us. These are huge ideas. These are big concepts. And yet, the gospel is just Jesus. It's amazing. It's so big and so simple and so exciting. So we started with those incredible words in chapter 1. The glory of God revealed the Word made flesh. And then in chapter 2, we see Jesus just beginning to reveal the nature and presence of God in His ministry. Performing miracles, changing water into wine, revealing the presence of God among the people at that wedding party. And then clearing the temple, uncovering the presence of God in His own house. As we had buried it under greed and selfishness. And then last week, Pastor Scott looked at our very identity in Jesus. And the way that God desires us to connect with Him and reveal Him through our lives. The gospel is real. and profound. It's powerful and transforming. It's words and its actions, and it should be so present in our lives, in every part, every way, because God is always there. Now this week we come to chapter 4, with again two stories for us, and I ran out of time. we gotta, we got to get home to the roast, right, eventually. So we're not going to look at the second story this morning. Read through the Gospel of John yourself as we're exploring this and read the rest of this chapter because God does some really cool parallel things here in these two stories. We have the story of the woman at the well, very famous, very familiar story. But then we have the story of Jesus healing the royal official's son. And again, Jesus is revealing the presence of God in powerful ways to people in both of these stories. This morning we're going to focus on the story of the woman at the well. It's a very familiar story and it begins with a very interesting comment in verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. What an interesting comment. Why does John include that clarification? just shows us the world that Jesus was living in and how lost those Pharisees and those Jewish people had become, how far removed they were from being the presence of God in the world and how lost they were in laws and rules and complications and technicalities and divisions. This is how closely they were watching Jesus. 
the kinds of things they were looking for. The very presence of God was being revealed to them right before their very eyes in the teachings and the miracles that he was performing and they were completely blind. Lost under this crushing weight of the law they could not see. Here John is just giving us a glimpse of the state of the world that Jesus had entered. A world blind to the truth. Even when the presence of God was right there in front of their very noses. Can you imagine? Fortunately for us, we aren't that way. Lucky us. That's good. But they were. So Jesus leaves Judea and he goes back to Galilee, passing through Samaria on his way. This is an area that the Jews despised, and very often they would even travel the long way around to not go through Samaria, to stay away from that area. The Samaritans and the Jewish people did not get along, and there's a lot of complicated things going on, but the Jews believed that the temple in Jerusalem was the only place that they could worship, and the Samaritans had their own place of worship, and they believed that it was fine for them to worship there. And given what we saw in these first couple of verses and just how complicated everything was, clearly that's going to be a big deal. You just think how real that world is. The dynamics that are going on there, these again just aren't flat words on a page. There's power dynamics and competition and superiority and technicalities. And again, fortunately for us, we've grown beyond such things. But again, they lived in a world that was like that. Jesus comes with his disciples to the town of Sychar, where Jacob's well was. He sits down at Jacob's well and his disciples go into town to buy food. And this woman comes to draw water from the well by herself in the middle of the heat of the day. Water was gathered first thing in the morning when it was cool and they would need water for the whole day. And so they would do this very first thing and it was a huge part of community life. Very often it was, in particular, the women of the village who would go and gather the water. And it was just an opportunity to talk and gossip and enjoy just relationship and being together. And so that she is coming by herself shows how unwelcome she is in her community. And Jesus reveals some pieces as to why a little bit later on here. But she's an outcast. She didn't go when all the other women did. She sees this man sitting there. As she approaches the well, she could see Jesus sitting on the well down the path. And she's alone. And he's alone. Why is he there? And as she approaches, is she feeling nervous, uncomfortable? She would have had good reason to be. Even today in rural and undeveloped parts of the world, people have to walk very long distances to gather fresh, kind of hopefully clean water. And again, women and children are often the ones who do this. And it is an incredibly dangerous journey 
filled with the potential for incredible violence and abuse that they can suffer at the hands of men who might be waiting along the way. Our world is a horribly broken place and it's difficult to even think about the things that happen to these women on the way on these journeys and it's one of the reason that clean water and well projects are so important in these communities not something that we think about really bringing a water source into the community into the middle of the town reduces these instances of violence and abuse dramatically because all of a sudden it's in this public place in the center of the town It's not just convenience, it's safety. It's not just about clean water, it's about protecting women and children in these communities. But here this woman has to go outside of the town, out to this well by herself, to this place, and again as she approaches there's this man sitting here. What is going to happen? And he asks her for a drink. What does she make of this? How does she feel? How does she respond? Again, we don't always see the humanity in these stories. This was a real world with real people. The emotions and the feelings and the culture that is going on. The complicated relationships that exist. Our own conversations today are filled with unspoken dynamics and innuendo, body language and cultural expectations and misunderstandings and politics and assumptions. The world Jesus lived in was complicated too. The people were complicated. Relationship was complicated. Culture and community was complicated. And we don't even see all the time just how much weight of expectation and fear we are under as we try to live and work and relate together. It can be crushing and oppressive and breaks God's heart. So as much as anything else, that is what we lost in the garden. Adam and Eve were naked and they felt no shame. They, that level of exposure Physically, emotionally, spiritually, complete vulnerability and connection with God and with one another. And here we are now buried under shame and guilt and fear and insecurity and complication. We are so far from what we were created to be. We can't even begin to understand And that is the world that Jesus has stepped into, just the same as ours, filled with complication and expectation and division, heaviness and fear, separation. But that's not where Jesus lives. He hasn't lost that. He lives in perfect communion with His Father. And he sees us, he sees her through all of that. What she was created to be. And as, he, as she approaches him, she, he, he begins to cut that away. Begins to uncover what had been buried. 
the weight of sin and culture and everything that separates us. And he asks her for a drink. And even her response shows just how broken and lost we are. She's fully aware of the walls that separate them. You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Culture, gender, laws, written and not, all separating them. A barrier to relationship, completely aware of all the things that prevented connection between them. This burden laid on both of them, burying the presence of God in and around them. Jesus keeps working to uncover it. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him. And He would have given you living water. Something's different here. This is not a normal conversation. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Who gave us this well and drank from it himself? She's confused. And maybe trying to hide from things a little bit. To deflect away from these things that Jesus is uncovering. It's uncomfortable. Jesus is revealing the presence of God to her right there on this random, hot, dusty afternoon in Samaria. She wasn't thinking about this. She was just trying to come quietly get some water by herself. She maybe didn't even want to have this conversation. She's just trying to dismiss it. What are you even talking about? You don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep. What are you talking about? Whatever, strange man. But again, Jesus speaks. He uncovers God's presence a little more. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is turning the lights up a little brighter. The presence of God is here. Do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you get it? Do you want it? She's drawn in a little bit. Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep humming, coming here to draw from this well. She's still a little bit confused, but she's intrigued and maybe a little skeptical. And then Jesus turns the lights all the way up. Go get your husband and come back. When the presence of God is revealed, it can reveal some things that we're not excited about. But there it is. The cover is thrown off. She's exposed. I have no husband, she says. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Jesus reveals her whole life. The veil is gone. The mask is off. 
How is she going to respond? She responds with a question. She's not angry. She's not hurt. What Jesus has said is harsh and real. It is exposing some of the deepest parts of her heart and her life. And it's not nice things. It's broken relationships. Hurt and pain. But there's something about this man. Something in who he is and how he is. His love. His grace. It doesn't push her away. It draws her in. And she wants to know. She's hungry to believe. Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She's still stuck in this world. Jesus is uncovering God's presence. And she can't see out of the box yet. She can't see past this world. And Jesus takes her further. Woman, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Nothing is as it seems. The world isn't the way you think it is. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet, Time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Can you imagine that moment? The shock. The confusion. The excitement. The panic. She's been speaking to the Messiah, or at least someone who thinks he is. Did she expect that? Even when she said what she said, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I mean, maybe there's kind of a question in that statement. Are you him? But you don't expect it to be true. You would never see that coming. And so she leaves her water jar. She runs back to town. She stirs up the people. She gathers them and she says, come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And the people come. Were they skeptical? Again, this woman was not accepted in the community. Why would they listen to her? But she was making such a fuss that maybe it kind of got them all intrigued and they could see this guy sitting on the well over there. That's the guy, him? And they did. They listened. They went with her and they met him. And he spent a couple of days with them. And as he eats with them and talks with them, he reveals the presence of God to them too. And they believe. 
It's an incredible story, a story of revealed relationship, a story of truth, of hope. Of Jesus breaking down the walls that sin has put up around us, between us. Uncovering the image of God placed within us, exposing sin and offering acceptance, forgiveness, connection, hope. It's a huge story, and as we explore what the gospel is all about, it shows us so much of what we need to understand. The gospel is about relationship. It's about connection, about forgiveness, salvation. Jesus reveals to this woman the depth of connection that God desires with us and the things that stand in our way. Our own sin and selfishness and shame. Instead of getting angry, instead of shutting down, she responds with openness and hunger. A desire to share. Other people need to see this too. And this is what Jesus is inviting us into. This is what it means for us to live the gospel, to share the gospel. Her life. Her experience. Her example is what it means for us to experience the gospel. The gospel, Jesus, exposes us. It reveals us. It reconnects us to our Father. And our mission then is to share that connection. To share that story. The woman at the well didn't go into great detail trying to tell people who Jesus was. She didn't try to convince or lecture, or guilt. She just pointed to Jesus. Just shared what He had done for her. Come and see. You have to meet this man who changed my life. Who changed me. Who showed me everything I was missing. All the wrong in my life, everything holding me back from what we were created to be, sharing the gospel is about vulnerability. It's about sharing our lives, sharing the work of God. So often, so many people think sharing the gospel is what Jesus did in this story. That's what they want to do. They want His role, calling out sin, convicting, teaching. We want to be wise and clever. We want to be respected and listened to. But that's His job. We're not Jesus. We're the woman at the well. We can't save anyone. We're just sharing our story. His story. Pointing to Him. Romans 1, the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. But we can't save them. We can only share how we've been saved. What we've been saved from. And how he's continuing to work 
in our lives and point them to the one who can save them too. And we can only do that if he really is at work in us. We can only point people to him if we know him. We can only share what he's done if we know what that is. We can only tell people what he's like if we spend time with him. Jesus is waiting for you. Waiting to show you who God is. Waiting to share his love with you. His grace. His life. He's going to call out some hard things in your life. But if you're open. Like the woman at the well. He will change your life. And then he will use your story to change the lives of others. Come and see. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for examples like this. For the faith and humility of this woman. Father, so often when those hard pieces of our lives are exposed, we can respond with anger, hurt, defensiveness. We want to justify, we want to rationalize, we want to explain, but God, help us. Help us to just listen. Help us to follow her example, to just dig deeper, to ask questions. Give us hunger, not fear. Give us humility, not pride. Help us to pursue you that as we spend time with you, we are just more and more inspired and hungry to point others to you. Come and see. Come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. It's ugly. It's not pretty what my life looks like. Come and see this man who helped me see that. Jesus, we are in awe of who you are. We're humbled by your love and mercy and grace. Incredible patience you have for us. And God, we want to live within that. We want to share that. Help us to share that. Amen.